Hello everybody, I'm Karen Sims and this is My Cousin Has That by Monash University. As usual, we have our two brainiacs with us today. We have Dr. Julie Monk, who's a Senior Clinical Development Coordinator at Monash Uni and Associate Professor Joshua Uwe, who is the Head of the Regulatory T-Cells Therapies Group at Monash. Hi, Julie. Hi, Josh. Hi, Karen. So, this is our last episode for this series and we thought we'd do a bit of a wrap-up, talk a bit about the future because there's some exciting things going on in immunotherapy. We've met some fantastic guests, patients, clinicians and researchers and they've given us a lot of information. We're very grateful to them because we understand the burden of disease is immense, it's expensive, it's time-consuming it affects all facets of a person's life and, and we're very thankful to those people coming in and sharing their stories with us. Julie, can you perhaps talk a bit about your sense of the future in terms of your job, what you'll be focusing on? Number one will be clinical trials, mm-hmm. particularly a clinical trial of Josh's potential therapy. Mm-hmm. And that will be groundbreaking, potentially particularly if we're successful, because it'll be hopefully the first time that this type of therapy has been tested Mm -hmm. in patients with autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. I think the other key thing, if this cell therapy is successful, is an increased need for patient registries. Mm -hmm. So collecting data on patients. This information will help us design better clinical trials. It will help us understand the patient's journey better Mm -hmm. and will hopefully set us up for success in the future. And are there worldwide registries as well as Victorian and Australian registries? That's a good question. Uh, In the autoimmune disease space, I don't think so, no. Mm -hmm. In Australia, there are a couple of disease specific registries. Mm-hmm. There's, an, there's one for lupus, which is Asia Pacific, but not worldwide. Okay. Mm. Yeah. And I think that's the largest lupus mm. cohort mm-hmm. in, in, the world. in the world, and it's run out of Monash University. Right. Yeah. And it's no coincidence that that registry is Southeast Asia, because I think you told me... Asia Pacific. So Asia Pacific, yeah, China, sorry. Korea. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And you told me that lupus is more prevalent in those communities? Uh, yes, mm-hmm. they've got higher disease severity as well. Right, okay. So the registries sound like a great idea, don't they? Yeah, I think they are, well, they're proving beneficial. So in addition to the Australia Pacific lupus cohort, there's also an Australian specific one. Mm-hmm. And I know that they have learned a lot from the analysis of the data mm-hmm. that yeah. they have uh, done to date. Yeah. So, so, follow, we, yeah, so far they've got data like from a single patient, thousands of patients over 10 years. Yeah. Mm. So Priceless data. Yeah, so yeah. as we mm. know, this, these mm. diseases are chronic diseases and it affects mm. from diagnosis till the end of life. So yes. there's, yeah. Yeah. there's a lot that's not known about disease treatment efficacies and disease burden over time and on mm. aging. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. That's exciting. Thanks, Julie. Joshua, can you talk about your cell therapies, please? So I'm very into cell therapies, very something that I think I mentioned earlier on in the in the podcast series that I grew up basically my entire life at Monash University. And when in this particular cell type that we work on, the regulatory T cell, it was really only first identified or published in 2003 when I first graduated mm-hmm. my undergrad degree. 
And at that time, there were only a few subsets of this T-cell. And now, there are a lot more than when I first graduated. The technology has advanced so much in the last couple of decades that we're now at the point where we can actually we understand the cell enough to use it for therapy. Mm-hmm. So what we want to do with this particular cell type called the regulatory T-cell, or we call it a T-REC for short, is to engineer it to specifically suppress the part of the immune system that has gone wrong. So we're talking about autoimmune diseases and the different types of autoimmune diseases occur because the immune system attacks the different organ. So that's why it's called regulatory T cell. Yeah, because it regulates. The penny just dropped. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah it regulates. So it regulates something. It regulates right. the inflammatory responses. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we're saying like how in type 1 diabetes, the immune system attacks the pancreas. In multiple sclerosis, the immune system attacks the nervous system. In Sjogren's, it attacks the glands and so on and so forth. So what we have managed to develop is a platform where we can we use the word genetically engineer, which basically means we insert a gene into the regulatory T cells to make it specifically switch off, for example, a brain-specific immune response or a kidney-specific immune response or a pancreas-specific immune response. Ergo, a cure. Yeah. yeah. Oh, excellent. Yeah. I feel like I'm learning every day with you two. <laughs> Thank you for that. So it is really exciting when you set up your clinical trial, how many people do you think you'll need? Yeah, probably about 10. So the first clinical trial will be designed to test safety because mm-hmm. that's a phase one trial. Yeah, mm-hmm. paramount, mm-hmm. what you want to establish. It will also have elements of evaluating pharmacokinetics, mm-hmm. which is how the body will... Oh, I can't remember the exact definition. I know. It's so like, how how yeah, the body, body responds? So there's like what the body does to the therapy and what the therapy does to the body. Uh-huh. So pharmacokinetics is what the body does to the therapy and pharmacodynamics is what the therapy does to the body. Okay. So that will be the phase one clinical trial. And that is a good definition of phase one, isn't it? It's Actually, I won't try. I'll let you guys do it. <laughs> Could you please tell everyone what a phase one trial is? So phase one trial is the first time a drug is tested in humans. So we gather information about how the drug works and how safe it is in non-clinical tests. So that usually involves animals mm-hmm. and experiments on the bench. Mm-hmm. And once we have enough information, we then test it in a human. But the first thing we want to test is its safety. That's the thing, because mm. it's literally never been in a human before. So it needs yep. to be, because we yep. want them to stay alive, we also mm. want them to stay well. Okay, yeah. so that's phase one. What is phase two? So phase two is dose finding. Mm-hmm. So from your phase one, usually in phase one, you would have different doses that you test. And by doing that, you can work out, okay, we see these outcomes in these patients. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we shouldn't give a higher dose. Or less. Or less well, might be it de- good. It might, yeah. Okay. It depends. Mm-hmm. So that's no where more. phase two comes in, where you do your dose finding. Mm-hmm. So your information from your phase one, you would have maybe two mm-hmm. doses that you want to test. Mm-hmm. And you do your dose finding, which you look at the efficacy 
outcomes. Mm-hmm. So how well the drug works. Mm-hmm. Once you have that information, you then move on to phase three, mm-hmm. which is your efficacy study. So that's when you can test a larger number of patients mm-hmm. and you will power the trial for statistical significance. And from that outcome, you can then know whether you're going to market mm-hmm. or whether you need to go back and reassess. Okay. And is there such a thing as phase four? Phase four is your real world. Okay. Yeah. People in the street. Yes. So clinical trials are very controlled. You mm-hmm. have very defined criteria as to which patients can take the drug because you want to try and manage all variables to make sure that the result that you get is, I guess, as close as possible to true. Mm-hmm. Phase four is the real world where okay. patients, oh. not necessarily compliant, yeah. Yeah, might do something. Forget something. Indeed, yeah. Take double. Yeah. Not yeah. take anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Those pesky people. <laughs> it's just life, right? It is, yes, exactly. Okay, so 10 people for phase one, mm-hmm. and then yeah. you want to keep on ramping it up for the other phases because, of course, 10 people is a very tiny sample size. Yes, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, and do you know how many people you'll need for phase three? Not at this stage. I think it's a little bit of an unknown because mm-hmm. it's a new type of therapy in autoimmune disease mm-hmm. and because of the nature of the therapy. We certainly won't be testing thousands of patients in phase three like they have to do for other drugs. And why is that? Because the patient population that we'll be testing is quite defined, so it's quite small, Mm -hmm. and it's a cell therapy which requires collecting blood from the patient, then extracting the cells from that patient blood sample, genetically modifying them, then putting them back in the patient. Right. So So it's expensive and time-consuming. And there's risks within that procedure as well. And you're dealing with people with conditions to begin with. Mm -hmm. So they will have off days and bad days and can't get out of bed days. Yeah. Right. That sounds so interesting. I'm very proud of you. Proud to know you, both of you. (laughs) Josh, could we hear about some of the experiments that you're lab people are doing? Yeah, sure. There are a lot of us and we all work as a team. We've developed this platform where we're able to specifically identify the genes required to make this particular cell product. And we do things like animal studies. So we try to Mm -hmm. model the disease. We try to model things like diabetes and lupus or rheumatoid arthritis in animal models. Mm -hmm. And, And these are not perfect, but they are... They allow us to look at the efficacy of our cell product in a body, not just in a plate, in a dish. Yeah, so we do that. And the results that we get, we collaborate with different people. We get to travel the world to present our results because the scientific community needs to talk to each other to make sure that we're all doing the right thing and we don't want to repeat experiments if somebody else has done them. So it's quite a sharing environment. It is, yes. We're all got the same goal. I mean, we compete to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And this, I guess, I like to think that competition drives a bit of innovation. Drives innovation. But at the same time, we're all got the same goal of making better therapies for patients. Sure. And there's only so much research money to go around. So yeah. you don't all be doing the same thing. And you're off to China soon. Yes, I am off to China. They've got a lot of people in China, yeah, <laughs> and which means a lot of patients as well. Yes. Yeah. yeah so uh, sharing registry information. Uh, data information. Yeah. yeah. Great. Mm-hmm. Where else do you go for your conferences? 
a lot of conferences in North America mm-hmm. and in Europe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we are funded by the Lupus Research Alliance, which mm-hmm. is based in New York. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so it means that we have me and Eric at Moran, our director of rheumatology, we have to go to New York every year, which mm. not sorry, to bad. Yeah, I'm sorry. That must be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Look, don't yeah. go mm. next year. I'll go instead. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. But we also are funded by the US Department of Defense, which is quite interesting because we talked about earlier how it's a very female predominant disease. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that the US Army is trying to do is increase female participation. And because they want more females in the force mm-hmm. and in the, the army. So they're trying to do research to limit the disease burden of lupus, which is why we're funded to understand the disease and to, to develop better treatments. So I find that fascinating. And in fact, you sent me an email recently and, mm. and you said something like the Department of Defence are funding this. And I thought, oh, poor Josh. <laughs> he doesn't know <laughs> what he's saying. <laughs> because how obscure is that? Mm. And and perverse. And but. Mm. It's true. Mm. You do know what you're talking about. So it's a bit of an irony, though, as well. Like Department of yeah. Defence wants more women mm-hmm. and wants more healthy Help. women That's right, yeah. to send into combat. Yeah. I don't <laughs> so really get cure, that. <laughs> let's cure lupus. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Shouldn't be laughing, yeah. should we? Yeah, so as no. long as they cure lupus, that's terrific. Mm. Um, mm. But, yeah, of course, you know, if your workforce... Yeah. Are affected by are affected mm. significantly by these pesky autoimmune diseases. Yeah, yeah it's mm. terrific mm. that they're funding the research. Mm. Yeah, that's a wrap for my cousin. Has that? We hope you have enjoyed it. We hope you've learned something. It's been a pleasure sending out this information to everyone. And thanks again to our guests. You were brilliant, Josh and Julie. Until next time. Bye bye. Thank thanks, you, Karen. Yeah. Bye.